Hello and welcome to the Total Entertainment Podcast with me, Paul Collis, and today we're taking a look at N-Dubs in their comeback tour. So, a little confession, this is the second time they've been out in the Cardiff International Arena. What happened here is their first show, which was on the uh, fi- on Tuesday the 15th of November, that was their original uh, show. And because that show sold out in a matter of seconds, yes, you heard me right, seconds, the promoter managed to uh, secure two more goes in the uh, Cardiff International Arena, but later in the, w- in the month. So, Monday the 28th and Tuesday the 29th. So why didn't I do the report on their first show? To be fair to N-Dubs, I believe that this was the first show of the tour, possibly, possibly a second. So why not give them a little bit more time for the tour to bed in and give them the uh, best review that they can because all the uh, lighting would have been fully fully uh, worked out, all the sound and uh, VT would have been fully worked out as well. So. They're going to hit reload all the settings for this arena and when I say reload the settings they go to the lighting or sound desks and load the show file for this specific venue so all I have to do is once they've finished building a massive massive show they hit show recall every setting that was recorded on the desk at that point on the first day here of that tour will be recalled and there you go everything's ready to go and they do the odd tweaking and whatnot on the sound check you know if uh, the singers are feeling a little bit sore or whatnot they'll give them a little bit more gain so they so then the artists don't have to work as hard vocally or they can uh, just tone down a little bit of the volume on the rest of the band so anyways let's get on with today's show so it's a uh, 12 truck show yes you heard me a 12 truck show they have their own stage it's currently under construction at the uh, front side of the arena so the closest to the doors and they will wheel it in position when the lighting rig is up in the air now this is a giant rig because they've got three led screen walls one center stage one stage left one stage right and then on the absolute back bar they've got a giant screen as well which all works in tandem and can work independently which it does in the show and i also believe that there's some quick changes behind each individual screen those are where the artists go to hide behind when they have their uh, quick change and there is a pit lift for each of uh, each member of the N Dubs. Uh, not quite downstage, but quite far down the stage. I'd say halfway down, so just in front of where the screens would be uh, sat once the stage has moved in position. And they're highlighted by fluorescent yellow gaffer tape, so they don't fall down the hole when the pit is open. But I do believe that. The, uh, that they only go up on it maybe they go down once I can't quite remember anyways they're there and that's how they start off the show they start off with the pits down with the pit lifts down and they get sprung right up uh, at the start of the show it's always a good way to start a show really <laughs> at the back of the stage you have 
uh, most of the instruments on view and then you have the monitor mixers on underneath the stage which is good they can hear everything on stage because they're underneath the stage which is underneath the band riser currently the line arrays are up in the air so you have two wide and 12 uh, down you have another line array set a little bit back for a 45 degree angle for a surround sound effect and you have a couple of subs up in the air as well and there will be a lot of subs at the front of the stage oh yes lots of subs at the front of the stage lighting wise as i said about the screens uh, uh which are over the middle of the stage you also have two bars of lights behind the uh, led screens and there's also some led strobe washes on the uh, structures that hold the led screens as well so and those tilt as well so they'll either be lighting the floor of the stage and washing it or there you will be out lighting the audience as well there are a load of moving lights on the stage left and stage right wing extensions and their profile led units and then at the back of the stage you've got a load of uh, led strobe flood units as well and i do believe that there will be some in front of the band riser at the back of the stage as well they also have a small section of stage which sits just below the main bit of stage and bolts on and that's where all the front fills are so plenty of that Lots of mojo will be put in position in front of the stage and surrounding the mixer entirely because of the type of clientele that you get, which is understandable. And people do give the audience a bit of a rough time, but then again, they forget what kind of crowd that you get at an end dubs gig from back in the day. And now these kids are now in their late twenties, mid thirties and they were the bad boys back on the uh, back in the day now they're uh, older <laughs> that's all i'm going to say on that, on that matter <laughs> but currently the stage is waiting to go into position they've got all the lights working in the lighting rig and they will slowly start winching up the bits of grid where the screen attaches and then and that's not just the back screen that's also the led screen wall sections in the middle of the stage and once those bits of screen are built ready to go then the stage will roll into position and we are ready to go and after that i suppose you're also going to have one more lighting bar to go in which is the front of house bar which has yet again lots of mold phases it has a load of uh, it has a load of eddie strobe floods units as well and a couple of um, robo follow spots on there as well some robo spots so watch your space we'll be back after this returning to muster x media after a long absence we have scenic serenity which is a nice relaxing window channel where you'd hear and see a load of relaxing views with relaxing natural sounds sometimes even relaxing music so why not check it out the link is in the description
and we're back. So, N-Dubs are an English hip-hop trio from Camden Town, London, consisting of cousins Dappy and Tulsa and Fraser. After winning a mobile award for the best newcomer in 2007, N-Dubs briefly signed to Polydor Records. The trio's debut album, Uncle B, was certified platinum and spawned four UK Top 40 singles. In 2009, N-Dubs won Best UK Act at the Mobile Awards and released their second album, Against All Odds. It charted at number 6 and was certified platinum, preceded by their first top 10 single, I Need You. The same year, N-Dubs achieved their first UK chart topper as a featured artist on Titchy Strider's song number 1. The trio's third album, Love Live Life, in 2010, charted at number 7 and became the third successive platinum selling album, it included the top 10 singles We Dance On and Best Behaviour. The group then took an 11 year hiatus to pursue solo careers before announcing their reformation in May 2022, releasing single Charmer and a sold out UK arena tour in November and December. All three members of N-Dubs were born in Camden Town, North London, and two of them are Greek Cypriot heritage. They each attended several different schools, meeting together for the first time when they were about 13 at Haverstock School, and coming together as a group first time about this age under the management of Dappy's father, Brian Contestalvos, formerly of Mongo Jerry, who died on the 12th of April 2007. They had a hard upbringing living on top estates and experiencing a lot of first-hand violence, depression, drug abuse, extreme financial difficulty, bullying and gang culture. Performing as Licky Rinse's crew, they released the singles Bad Man Rhythm and Life Is Getting Sicker By The Day. After Licky Rinse's crew, they now became NW1. This originated from the phrase Hakuna Matata. They had originally intended to be called Hakuna Matata after they changed from the Licky Rinse's crew, but due to copyright from Disney, they decided to change it to No Worries instead. Due to the fact that there was already another group known as No Worries, they decided to change instead to NW for a short time, but due to the confusion from Compton-based rap group NWA, they finally changed to NW1, both after the postcode district and as, as a light nod to The Lion King, which was later changed to N-Dubs. After making their first music video in 2005, for the track Every Day of My Life which received airplay on Channel U, recorded more demos as NW1s such as Don't Feel Like Moving, Girl on Road and Living Broke. Their first single to be released was You Better Not Waste My Time which was available for download only until their 2006 self-released single I Swear which gained them their first main notice. It wasn't until 2007 Viva Las Vegas also self-released that the group appeared in the UK charts peaking at number 57. Each member appeared on the second series of Channel 4's dub plate drama after they began to get noticed as a group. After winning a mobile award for Best Newcomer, the group signed to Polydor Records and re-released their first single, You Better Not Waste My Time, on the label, which debuted at number 26 on the UK Singles Chart. In mid-2007, Dappy released Love For My Slum with fellow UK artist Baker Trouble. This song was number one on Channel U for many weeks and was a big hit in the UK underground rap scene, but was heavily criticised by the media for a scene in which Dappy is stood outside a block of expensive luxury flats with a rich kid who is trying to look like a gangster. The Independent wrote, His lyrics combine jealousy with anger. You got too much to lose. You're in a great position. You wouldn't last a minute where I'm from. You'll go missing. So separate 
what you got because I'm still wishing. And then he grabs the rich kid by the coat, pulls him towards him and punches him in the face. The silent boy falls instantly to the pavement. Then they went to <laughs> then they went on to put do scenes like these suggest that music videos are encouraging their viewers to indulge in criminality? Dappy appeared on the television show Nevermind the Boscocks in November 2007 on Phil Jupiter's team and wore a trademark Dappy hat, also giving one to Simon Amstel to wear as part of the gang. Despite vowing he would never return to the show, he appeared for a second time on the guest team on 4th December 2008 and for a third time on Phil's team which was broadcast on November the 18th 2009. On the 16th of May 2022, following an 11-year hiatus, Endubs announced their reformation for the new single Charmer and the Back to the Future tour, the UK Arena tour scheduled for November 2022. The tour sold out within minutes of release, but I further reported the same month that the band had spent six months working on a new album with Chip, Wiley and Gary Barlow. Endubs had been involved in much media criticism and publicised controversy, mainly to do with Dappy. Since in early 2010, Dappy and Fraser have been struggling to secure US visas due to their past convictions. On the 31st of December 2009, Dappy and Fraser were escorted from a BA flight from Edinburgh to London by police after it touched down after allegedly threatening one passenger. A source told The Sun, they were swearing like kids on the plane being found and threatening passengers. Cabin crew called ahead to the police who were waiting when the plane had landed. They were taken away by armed officers. Yes, because it's an airport and they don't tolerate stuff like that. In late 2009, a feud between Tulsa and Ellie Jackson of LaRue, who stated that the, fe the older females that do hip-hop music dress up like prostitutes. Tulsa took offence, saying she shouldn't talk about people's jobs in that way. It's just wrong. Where was she brought up? In a barn, calling Jackson a twat. Later that month, it surfaced that N-Dub's DJ Mays had, had, had allegedly raped a young fan after a show Endubs had done at Butlin's holiday camp in Skegness. They instead had BBC Radio 1 Extra's Twin B as their Christmas party tour DJ. On the 12th of January 2010, Endubs appeared in the Chris Moyles show on BBC Radio 1. The show received a text message from Chloe Moody in Boston, Lincolnshire, complaining that Daffy was vile and a little boy with a silly hat and that N-Dubs were losers. Dappy secretly copied Moody's phone number from the studio console the following day, tried calling her and, and sent threatening messages including, you're sick, gonna die. You sent a very bad message towards N-Dubs on the Chris Moyles show yesterday morning and for that reason you will never be left alone. You say sorry, I will leave you, star, 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 star. Moody claimed that she uh, continued to receive messages after dis declining to apologise but N-Dub's management later apologised on his behalf and offered free tickets to one of his concerts although Dappy has not apologised to Moody personally. The rapper had appeared with the then school secretary Ed Balls to launch pop single Are You Cyber Safe in November 2009 but was dropped from the campaign with, Miss with, with Mr Balls saying this text message was completely unacceptable. Is it right that he has not only apologised but accepted there was no excuse for his behaviour? In March 2010, a dispute started between N-Dubs and Lethal, and Lethal Bizzle, who claimed he had written and produced N-Dubs' hit, hit I Need You for them, so he should be acknowledged on the credits for it, with Tulsa hitting back on Twitter that he's just trying to boost his status. 
what an unbelievable loser. And N-Dubs later posted a video on their official YouTube channel through Twitter with the caption, The proof we didn't steal shit. We made our own hits of when he had sent them the finished song and when he had actually finished the song, implying that their version was over two months older than his. Right, so discography. Uncle B in 2008, Against All Odds 2009 and Love Live Life in 2010. Their tours. So, uh... Headlining, they did the Uncle B tour in 2009, N-Dub's Christmas Party in 2009, the Against All Odds tour in 2010, Love Live Life tour 2011, and this year's Back to the Future 2022, and they supported Clubland Live in 2009. There was a book in 2010 called Against All Odds, From Street Life to Chart Life. So, a nice bit of interesting history for N-Dubs and to be honest I'm pretty much looking forward to seeing this show which would be a lot more polished uh, now it's their second go in the in the Cardiff International Arena and we will be back after this. Coming back to Master X Media we have the X Review and if you don't know what the X Review is or was and will be again it's where I go and do a reaction video to music videos so you get genuine reactions and most of the time they are on the fly surprise reactions because I would not have seen the videos that I've been reacting to and I do feel like it's a very honest representation of music so if you like to listen and watch reaction videos the link is in the description and we're back so pretty much all the lighting bars are up and running they're just uh, testing the fly systems to get them lifted up they've just gone up and down uh, because they just about to adjust something uh, I'm not sure what off the top of my head and the stage is being moved into its uh, position well not quite although it's moving at the present they're waiting for a lighting bar to go up which is the uh, front of house bar and the uh, subsequent bars behind it they're just lining it up with the marks put on the floor to make sure that it is ready to go in so once it's lined up all it is is a matter of pushing it forward into the correct hole which it should do uh, without any problems if they do it right I believe they've done it this way because last time uh, when they were in it took a while for the stage to be put in the right position and they had to keep shunting it to uh, the left which is stage right. Um, that front house lighting bar is just going up now and they will shortly winch the other bars up as well. All the lighting plimps uh, are uh, up in the air ready to go down onto stage level once the stage is in position. and. We will be there shortly. Uh, once that is done, there's not much left to do other than get the small bit of stage at the front down uh, in position, which isn't going to be that hard because it will just bolt onto the front of the uh, main stage. They'll put their drapes on and finish the plug up. And once that's all ready, it's just a matter of tidying the flight cases away, stage left and stage right and putting in the mojo barrier 
the mojo barrier has just gone in around the mixer so it is near enough there it's going to be a good bit of uh, build time now because it did seem to be going a bit behind schedule earlier on but they're at that critical stage now where it all comes together they just gotta get everything up in the air at above working height which yet again it's nearly there the backlighting bars are going up in the air and the large LED screen has been winched up and up and up and they're still adding layers onto it I believe they've got another three layers of that panel to go onto that before it's complete so we're nearly there we really are nearly there and with that being said we'll be back after this so not only does Master X Media have a series of podcasts but we also have a series of books the first book is actually two books it's volume one and volume two of a tribute to working at sea the best fiction is based on truth this is a compilation of short stories rants and poems loosely based on the author's experience at working on a cruise ship some of these stories are based on actual events but highly exaggerated whilst other stories are pure fiction the title of the book a tribute to is fitting with the tone of the book because like a tribute act it is a blatant altered reality where you can enjoy it knowing it's not quite the truth. There are things of alcoholism which used to be highly prevalent within workers in the cruise industry as well as stories with a sexual nature. So sit down, relax and enjoy the ride of A Tribute to Working at Sea Volumes 1 and 2. All of these books are available on Amazon and are available in paperback and on Kindle and the links for all these books are in the description below. At the top of the show, the stage went dark along with the house lights and then a VT played on the screen stage left and stage right with a voice warning about a purge with the NDEBS logo on a blue screen at the back. And then every word that was said in the warning was uh, scrolled up on the screen like it was the purge and, and that was the theme of this tour. And then once that had finished, once that warning had finished the LED strobe floods flash red with a real bassy siren. I mean, there's enough bass in this um, in this arena that shook the entire room. I mean, I could feel that in the control room, and that bass was going right through my chest cavity. It was it was fun actually. It was really really fun. <laughs> and whilst that was going on the VT changed to a video sequence of N-dubs wearing purge style masks and walking through a rampage the VT then went dark along with the stage and with a massive bright with a massive blinding flash and a big bassy bang N-dubs appeared on the stage via the pit lifts so a nice entrance to that I do like I do like understage entrances it's good especially if it's done right and this was done very tight very slick and very well rehearsed so from start to finish the stage was washed with uh, predominantly white lights from their uh, from their steep wash units which and when I say steep the beam angle was that steep but it just they didn't have to have that many uh, units they just 
washed the stage and also illuminated the air due to the amount of smoke due to the amount of smoke effects it had a real nice crisp look to it and it did look seamless when it was on the floor as well so it washed in very very nicely the LED profiles were used predominantly to make shapes throughout the whole show and what I mean by shapes is the tightly focused beams crisscrossing the stage crisscrossing into the audience going straight into the audience and because of the height of the lighting bars especially with the units that are on the trusses that are slung below the main u uh, main bars you've got some really good beam angles and especially when they uh, when the lights beamed into the audience as well so yet again a massive visual advantage with that and then you also had all these uh, LED strobe flood units some on the floor at the back of the stage and a load in the rig and yet again those were used mainly to emphasize parts of the song so if there's a bit of the song that went boop 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 they'll follow that part of the beat with the with a flash could be any color as well and that's what i love about those ad strobe flood units they could be any color and strobe or you can pixel map the uh, units to make different shapes out of them as well so you're, the world's your oyster with those units uh, that's why they're so popular on tours uh, since they've uh, been on general release for the last uh, 18 months since the end of the since the end of the pandemic everyone started to have those units and it's brilliant I, I, I actually think that people struggle to get hold of those units to be honest uh, and it's and they always go to the highest bidder anyways I digress so not only did you have those LED stray flood units doing emphasis points of the uh, songs you also had the mole phases that did the same thing as well so not only were they used for uh, musical cues, uh, so say the strobe floods were doing one bit, one beat, on the off beat the uh, the mole phases would do would flash on the off beat as well, and not only would they be used for that, but they're there to also directly address the audience. So when they're talking to the audience, the mole phases would go up as well. And at one point, Tulsa wanted to see the front row, so they used LX2's LED strobe flood units to um, light up the front row on the mojo barrier as well so for me it feels that both the AV and lighting designers they did a lot of tight collaborations together so they were sat in a room and they had to make compromises mainly for the fact that some units would outshine other units such as the LED screens at the especially the uh, plinth units but the main screen at the back the uh, high def clear translucent screen that would just completely outshine all these LED uh, profile units so there wasn't much of the intricacy from the uh, from rotating gobos or whatnot and if they were used in fact they were used a couple of times during the show but what they did was uh, they had dark images on the screen so for example on one slow uh, romantic song that they did you had a heart in the middle of every screen of the main screen and the LED plimps as well and the rest of the screen was black which would then allow the intricacies of of the gobos from the LED profile units to be seen and then 
and then they'd switch it back to the image being really bright and all the LED uh, profile units would be without gobos but in a tight fixed in a tightly focused narrow beam which then allows those units to be seen so it's a lot of compromise and a lot of pre-planning before they started to even program the show uh, so I could just imagine the uh, conversation between the two designer, designers and the lighting guy would be like this has to be uh, this this particular song has to have the uh, gobo uh, the gobo rotations in there so you have to do give me an image that's darker and uh, you know you, you for most of the show I won't use them just give me it here and that's probably what went on in those conversations and there's probably a lot of swearing in those conversations and a lot of uh, flowing booze as well but uh, that's just me using my imagination hint hint sound wise it was quieter tonight than it was on the uh, show earlier on in the month but only by two decibels on average but that's good though you know they're just bringing it down because the, the first time i was in it was at the start of the month and right at the start of the tour and now they're halfway through the tour so they've done really good to bring the volume down because they've got used to the sound system and everything just uh, sounded just right you had a lot of bass in most of the songs but then again the songs were written to be very very bassy which played a bit of havoc with the clarity in some places but and i say but you had a very talented sound engineer who managed to keep for most of the show to my 22 karat gold standard of clarity you could hear everything from the track and not only was there track but there's also the band as well and you could hear everything in there so it was very it was mixed very well and in of in obvious places where the bass was too much you lost the clarity there but only for short parts of the show so on average they got my 22 karat gold standard clarity and it was great it was great now how was the performance of N-Dubs? Well, you can say a lot of things about Dappy and he would probably be first to admit some of that as well. But N-Dubs were excellent. Yeah, so let's put aside hearsay and whatnot. And, uh, you know, let's get Johnny Depp's uh, lawyer in. Objection hearsay, okay? Whenever someone says, oh, but they did this, that, the other at a venue. Objection hearsay, you weren't there. Uh, <laughs> but we'll get onto that in a second. But we'll get onto that in a second. So they were brilliant. They were excellent showmen, and all three of of N Dubs know exactly how to work a crowd, and into and they just interact so well with each other. They've got such a great chemistry going on stage, and it makes you wonder why did it take eleven years for them to get back and perform together? You know, <laughs> they worked so well together. It just it was it's a no-brainer they belong on stage together as a trio and not as solo artists but you know obviously have your stints of being solo uh, in between uh, tours and in between end dubs records but don't leave it 11 years for another uh, comeback you know you as far as i was concerned uh, end dubs not my kind of music but they've got that chemistry which encapsulates their audience and their audience loved them 
and I'm sure that N-Dubs love their audience as well. Now as well as having a very strong performance they and them work in the crowd, they had the audience just in the palm of their hand for the whole show. And <laughs> you had the crowd singing, pretty much all show, dancing, pretty much all show, cheering, all show, wolf whistling, the lot, you know. The audience gave them the works and N-Dubs gave the audience the works in, uh, as a in reciprocation. It was brilliant. It was a great thing to see. Now, I know what a lot of people listening are thinking. Did Daffy do some madness like climb up onto a balcony or snap and go ape at the uh, security in the pit? No, not in our venue not in the Cardiff International Arena and not on the first show in the arena as well there was none of it he, but for me it does feel like a bit of uh, free publicity he would do something to get the hashtags going to get the trending going and for me it felt like it really really worked so he uh, got a bit shitty towards someone but at, at the end of the day People are still talking about it right now, even on this recording. And that was uh, a few days after N-Dub's first concert in Cardiff. So with people talking about it and keeping them trending, it's just boosting the profile of this tour. And that's what I think he was doing. The only thing that was negative about the tour, in my opinion, is the uh, fact that they had to cancel the show. But at the end of the day, you can't help being ill and if you lose your voice or, so, or have strained your voice like Dappy did it's like sorry <laughs> he got signed off by a doctor they do not sign that off on a show without a doctor's certificate because they can't claim that on the insurance well to claim the insurance to pay for everything so people's wages and whatnot the higher of the venue the higher of the equipment for uh, that particular day as well and yeah you insurance will not pay out so it'll be a massive hit a massive financial hit for the band if uh, there was no doctor's note and i do believe that there was a doctor's note and unfortunately it'll always be a lastminute.com sign off because they have to find a private doctor who is nearby which could take some time and it, and if there's not one nearby then they have to get one from the, the nearest city or town that they can find and then they'd have to get a runner to uh, drive out and get that doctor back to the uh, arena to then be uh, checked out and then to get the certificate uh, the uh, sick note to sign off for the insurance purposes so yes that was definitely not faked or anything about that and any suggestion of that is just outright bang out of order it was genuinely sick but other than that all the other so-called publicity stunts work because people were still, as I said, are still talking about the tour and what a comeback tour it's been. It's been a really eventful and it's been great and it's been sold out in every single venue, every venue. The show itself was entertaining and if you were a true Endos fan, you definitely wouldn't have been disappointed unless you was in the cancelled show. If you liked today's podcast, please hit like, subscribe and share. And if you haven't already done so, why not check out more content from Master X Media by clicking the link in the description below. And we shall catch you next time. Bye for now.